and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Jesus in Leviticus, part three. What was clean and unclean that symbolizes sin and salvation? God is holy. And because God is holy, he is picky as to what can and cannot come before him. Here in Leviticus, God is laying down the rules on purification. People had to go through rituals of bathing and waiting before they could be considered clean rather than unclean. If you fail to do the things as God directed, then you faced his judgment and death. However, for us, Jesus solved this problem once and for all. I'll explain. Let's dig in. First, we're going to start with the last um, paragraph in Leviticus 9, verse 22. Aaron raised his hands toward the people and blessed them. Then after presenting the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering, he stepped down from the altar. Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle, and when they came back out, they blessed the people again, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burned offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. So this is what God did with the offerings. We saw before that when the offerings were done correctly, they were a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But what happens when the ritual is done wrong? What happens when men take it upon themselves to do their own thing? Let's find out. Leviticus 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Then Moses called for Mishael and Elzaphan, Aaron's cousins, the sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, he said to them, come forward and carry away the bodies of your relatives from in front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and picked them up by their garments and carried them out of the camp, just as Moses had commanded. 
Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, do not show grief by leaving your hair uncombed or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you will die and the Lord's anger will strike the whole community of Israel. However, the rest of the Israelites, your relatives may mourn because of the Lord's fiery destruction of Nadab and Abihu. But you must not leave the entrance of the tabernacle or you will die. For you have been anointed with the Lord's anointing oil. So then Moses, so they did as Moses commanded. Instructions for priestly conduct. Then the Lord said to Aaron. Now see, Aaron's good enough to get it directly from God. You and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. If you do, you will die. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonial, ceremonial, <laughs> ceremonially unclean and what is clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through Moses. Then Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, take what is left of the grain offering after a portion has been presented as a special gift to the Lord and eat it beside the altar. Make sure it contains no yeast, for it is most holy. You must eat it in a sacred place where it has been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. These are the commands I have been given. But the breast and the thigh that were lifted up as a special offering may be eaten in any place that is ceremonially clean. These parts have been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the peace offerings presented by the people of Israel. You must lift up the thigh and breast as a special offering to the Lord, along with the fat of the special gifts. This part, these parts will belong to you and your descendants as your permanent right, just as the Lord has commanded. Moses then asked them what happened to the goat of the sin offering when he discovered it had been burned up. He became very angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons. Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sacred area, he demanded. It is a holy offering. The Lord has given it to you to remove the guilt of the community, to purify the people, making them right with the Lord. Since the animal's blood was not brought into the holy place, you should have eaten the meat in the sacred area as I ordered you. Then Aaron said to Moses, Today my sons presented both their sin offering and their burnt offering to the Lord, and yet this tragedy has happened to me. If I had eaten the people's sin offering on such a tragic day as this, would the Lord have been pleased? And when Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Some points to ponder. So you might be thinking that the punishment was rather harsh. But Aaron's sons defiled the tabernacle. They knew what type of fire to burn the incense on. Yet they brought in something that was unclean. The proper fire was made from wood only. Coal comes from the ground and is unclean. And this is why I'm assuming this here. Aaron's sons perished by God's fire of judgment. Obeying the Lord's decrees, commands, and rules is crucial. Disobeying his consequences lead, lead to perishing. Remember when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's one simple rule? They were banished from the garden forever, and all humankind was cursed because of it. Leviticus 11, clean and unclean animals. Have you ever wondered why Jews don't eat ham? Or bacon, for that matter. 
or why the Orthodox Jews only eat kosher foods? Here's why. Leviticus 11, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Of all the land animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat any animal that has completely split hooves and choose the cud. You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or that chew the cud, but not both. The camel chews the cud, but, not, but does not have split hooves. So it is ceremonial, ceremonially unclean for you. The rock badger chews the cud, but does not have split hooves. So it is unclean. The hare chews the cud, but does not have split hooves. So it is unclean. The pig has evenly split hooves, but does not chew the cud. So it is unclean. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Well, he then goes on to list marine animals that are clean and unclean, and they can only eat seafood that has fins and scales, both, both fins and scales. Then birds and insects. Why? Well, the animals represented two people groups, Jews and Gentiles. This set apart the Jews from everyone else. And if you want to read the rest of the chapter, you can read Leviticus 11, or you can click on over to my blog, and I have a link there to read those chapters. Subsequently, Jesus abolished this distinction when the first Gentiles were saved in the book of Acts. In the new covenant, all people were made clean through Jesus' sacrifice. When Peter was in Joppa, he had a vision. We're in Acts 10, verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In that sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. This showed Peter that it was okay to eat with Gentiles and that the good news of Jesus' salvation was for them too. All right, Leviticus 12 through 15. So in the next three chapters, the next three chapters goes into detail for when women give birth, when someone has a skin disease like leprosy, boils, burns, sores, etc., or bodily discharges. And no, I'm not going to read it all. In all these conditions, the people are ceremonially unclean. Depending on the situation, they had to go through a cleansing ritual and wait, usually seven days, before they could enter the tabernacle. And you can read the chapters for yourself. And I encourage you to do that because I want you to understand why God made the Jews go through all these rituals, why it was important that they be clean and pure before coming into his presence. You know, a person could not enter the sanctuary until purified or made ceremonially clean. Why do you think there were so many bathing areas near the temple in Jerusalem? Everyone had to purify themselves. No one could defile the tabernacle or the temple or they would die. And look what Jesus tells the leper after he heals him in Matthew 8 verses 1 through 4. 
Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Another condition was a woman bleeding continuously. She could never enter the sanctuary. That's what makes this healing story so special in Matthew 9, 19. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Just then, a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. This story is also found in Luke 8 in greater detail, and I've done a study on that. You can click on over to my blog to to find it. But imagine not being able to go to worship in the temple for 12 years. So uncleanliness represents sin. Cleanliness symbolizes salvation. Sin spreads like yeast through dough or like a virus. Sin destroys and defiles. Sin kills. It's your choice. Be washed and cleansed by baptism and forgiveness or be burned and destroyed in hell. Oh, by the way, purgatory does not exist. It's heaven or hell. Again, it's your choice. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, What you have to do is believe, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ, and he died taking your sins away forever. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180-degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized. Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And at the bottom of my blog, I embedded a worship song, Born Again, Born Again, Washed by the Water, I'm clean, yeah. Solideo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. 
Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20 to 22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24:14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.